Welcome to the world of Aeora, a news and lore podcast about the Pillars of Eternity games, as well as Obsidian Entertainment's upcoming release, Avowed. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the World of Aora. I'm your host Eric aka Gingerino and thank you guys so much for joining me as we dive into more lore and history and game mechanics from Pillars of Eternity gearing up for the release of Avowed. For those wondering why we pair all those games together, it's because they share the same fantasy setting known as Aora. And so as the theory goes, we dive into the Pillars of Eternity games, we can glean some insights about Avowed, and then we enter into all of these games with the same knowledge base and understanding. And we can appreciate the nuanced writing that Obsidian has done for these games. And so we're going to move forward with that. Today's episode, we're going to be focusing on the character of Odd Nua today which is a character from Pillars of Eternity's history, but it is also someone that you can run into in the first Pillars of Eternity game. As a heads up for anyone listening, there will be spoilers for a particular set of optional quests in Pillars of Eternity 1. So in Pillars of Eternity 1, there exists this mega dungeon called the Endless Paths of Odd Nua. There will be some historical spoilers, we'll call them. So there's nothing about the main game that's going to be spoiled. It's only this one mega dungeon, which is an optional part of the game. So if that's not important to you, then feel free to listen in. But if you want to discover the story and history behind this big, massive, optional dungeon to yourself, then by all means, uh, forgo listening to this episode and go check out that mission in Pillars of Eternity 1. But if you're into hearing this ancient story of Odnua and the and his son, and some of his, um, I guess you could call them advisors, (laughs) people that helped him with stuff, Um, we're going to move forward just learning about his story. There's no Pillars of Eternity news or Avowed news to go over today. The the closest thing that we have right now to news is that Phil Spencer, the head of Xbox, basically, has recently been seen playing Pillars of Eternity, which isn't really a big deal. It's like he can play whatever he wants. Uh, I hope he's enjoying the game. And hey, Phil, maybe you might be listening to this show. Hope you like it. Uh, This is how you can tell how desperate the community is for any information, is that people are seeing Phil Spencer playing Pillars of Eternity, and they're thinking to themselves, oh, maybe he knows that Avowed is going to make an appearance at the Xbox Game Showcase. And Phil thought to himself, maybe I should learn more about this about this fantasy world and this games that they already made in. So I'm going to go play Pillars of Eternity now because it's because it's, you know, it's, it's almost a decade old at this point. So there's a little bit of credibility to that speculation. So who knows? Maybe we'll see something about Avowed at the next Xbox Games Showcase. I'm not particularly holding out for anything, but uh, hey, who knows? I've been rambling on long enough. Let's get talking about Odd Nua. I'm curious. What exactly did you find there? The story of Odd Nua takes place in a mega dungeon called The Endless Paths of Odd Nua, which is an optional series of uh, dungeon crawling that you can do with your party in the first Pillars of Eternity game. It's found beneath your stronghold for your player character, Cad Nua. So if you've played Pillars of Eternity 1, you become the owner and operator of an entire stronghold called Cad Nua. But beneath Cad Nua lie 15 levels of dungeon and these are the Endless Paths of Odd Nua. And it tells a story of an ancient Ingwithan king uh, and how he once was a good and benevolent king but fell to become uh, a man obsessed and a man of grief 
and performed many deeds that were unjust to the people underneath him. And it led to revolt, and it, it led to a lot of atrocities being committed. And so we're going to take a look at the story of Ad Nua today. You can actually interact with this person. So even though he is an ancient being, the Ingwithans, if you've played Pillars of Eternity, they are an ancient, advanced civilization of peoples that suddenly just disappeared and didn't exist within the history of the world anymore. So until you learn the spoilers of what happened to them, it's a big question mark over the narratives of the game of what happened to the Ingwithans. And that's why a lot of people are so interested in looking into Ingwithan ruins to kind of determine what was going on for such an advanced race to just disappear the way they did. I'm going to be taking all of this information from the Pillars of Eternity fandom webpage, so it's basically just the Wikipedia for Pillars of Eternity. We're going to be reading everything from here. A beloved king of Engwith, which is the proper name for the Engwithan society, Ad Nua was once a wise and just ruler, which changed at the death of his son, Maros Nua. He was a perfectly average boy, with no notable achievements to his name, but deeply loved by his father all the same. He loved him back and tried to make him proud as a warrior. Unfortunately, all he found on the battlefield was death. So far in this story, we've established the main characters. We have Odd Nua, wise and just ruler, and his son Maros Nua, who was loved by his father unconditionally, just for who he was. But Maros, wanting to prove he was worthy of his father's love, went out into the battlefield and got himself killed. Overcame by grief, Odd Nua desperately sought a way to bring him back. And this is something that can happen in the world of Aeora. Uh, the souls in Aeora work on a cycle of reincarnation, so souls are actual tangible things that exist in this world. And so the idea, especially for this advanced society, that you could maybe find a way to get the soul back or you could find a way to revive someone, it's not out of the realm of possibility, or at least it's not out of the realm of plausibility. Right? That just because it might not be possible doesn't mean it might not be plausible. A lot of experimentation and a lot of projects and efforts happen for things that you think can happen because it's sensible, but maybe they can't. He summoned his greatest workers, mages, and servants, setting off on a daring quest to defy the wheel, which is the name given to the cycle of reincarnation that exists in this world, the wheel, endlessly grinding souls into dust. Nothing came of it at first, just a series of false starts and wasted efforts. Neither Gabranos nor Caberos came up with a solution to his problem, and these are two of his more uh, higher-up advisors and workers. The king grew anxious with the lack of results, worried that his son's soul might forever disappear beyond the Shroud. That's the capital S Shroud, and it's kind of like this, um, I don't know if it's a conceptual or actual barrier that exists, but it's this barrier between the living world and the dead world, we're basically going to say. And once his son's soul passes through the shroud, the idea is, is that they wouldn't be able to get it back. And so as a result of this, he permitted new methods to be tested to better understand the soul. It took acts of terrifying barbarism to begin to understand the soul. Countless Ingwithans were tortured to death in Odd Nua's fortress, from stripping their souls in blight forges to shattering their souls under violent torture. Worse yet, they finally started making progress. The more the bone pits filled the remains of his subjects, the more did Adnua and his folk understand about the soul, and the closer did they come to finding the dividing line between life and death. So in this next section that we just read, Adnua is getting pretty desperate to make sure that his son can come back from the dead, uh, and with desperate times, 
Uh, you know how that goes. He gives permission for new methods to be tested. And so he what he starts doing is he starts taking his subjects of his kingdom and uses them as lab rats in soul experiments. And it says here that they do things like stripping their souls. Uh, I don't know if that means they're literally tearing their souls into strips or if they are like making them more naked or something like they're tearing the layers of the soul if there are layers. Um, it says that they shatter their souls under violent torture. Because souls exist concretely in this world, they can be interacted with. And so you can do something like shatter a soul, which would essentially completely annihilate the person that was there. And all this is bad enough if it wasn't for the fact that they actually started learning things. And because they started learning things, they kept doing this. They kept following this line of experimentation. And the more and more they learned the more they came to find the dividing line between life and death, possibly being able to bring Maros back. Finally, Kaberos and his cabal of 12 wizards and animancers succeeded in their efforts. Animancers is the name given to people who study the soul, uh, the, su the science of animancy. They found a way to find his son in the Audra hub below his keep, in the well of souls buried beneath the earth. Audra, for those not familiar, is this unique resource that exists within this world. It's kind of a green, uh, semi-precious gemstone. And the unique thing about Audra is that it has the capacity to house and conduct soul matter. So you can have basically your soul and my soul, it could go through Audra. And apparently they have this theory, because there's a huge Audra deposit beneath the keep that they have, uh, that they could use this for some reason to be able to get Maros back. The discovery convinced Odnua that he was right, and that all the atrocities committed thus far were a necessary sacrifice. And that there's something to be said about that. Not that I agree with it. I, I definitely don't agree with that. But it's not just his son here that's on the line. Like, that's what Odnua is caring about, obviously. But there's more than just Maros Nua coming back that is here. This would be a massive step forward in the science of animancy, in technology of this world, and soul mechanics and metaphysics like there's so much on the line here if they find a way to bring maros back it's not just that maros is back they have now breached this threshold within the understanding of the very fabric of this world's existence and they might be able to actually manipulate it like that's a big thing that could happen the research continued under caberos's auspices even as gabranos continued his twisted experiments with captive and Gwithins and the elemental forges while a master artisan by the name of Idros tackled the seemingly impossible task of creating a vessel capable of housing Maros Nua's soul. Combining soul magic with Nguithin skills in shaping and growing Audra, so it sounds like the Nguithin people can not only shape Audra, but they can actually grow it, he carved a mighty titan in Maros's likeness, using a statue as reference. And so if you've played Pillars of Eternity 1, and you've played through the endless paths of Odnua, you've done that dungeon, you'll know that in this mega dungeon, you are descending deeper and deeper into the world of Aora, and you are going down this giant Audra statue in the shape of a humanoid. What this is implying here is that this is actually Maros's likeness that has been carved into this giant piece of Audra. So this is a statue of Audra depicting Maros. And we're going to we're going to discover through reading this why it is that they tried to do it that way. All that remains of a dead man's greatest wish, a grand memorial or merely a sorry little tomb. More than Ardnua's precious son are buried here, of course. 
many more. Construction and research continued side by side for years, with Odnua's wizards eventually mastering animancy. They could determine the precise manner in which a soul would crack and shatter, carefully place a fragment from one into another, and ultimately achieve immortality, or a close approximation thereof, by binding the soul to the body after it dies. Kabiros tested the procedure on himself after perfecting it on captive subjects of Odnua, but soon discovered that the body still decomposed. In order to stay alive, he needed to feed on the essence of living people or Adra. He perfected the spellwork, allowing the rest of his cabal to, dra- to transition into vampirhood, preying on Odnua's subjects. And so alongside this campaign to bring Maros Nua back, you also have this kind of side project going on with Kabiros, and it leads to vampirhood. So vampires are kind of like vampires in, in this world, let's be honest. It's spelled with an F and a Y, and there's no E at the end. And, but this is essentially how vampires are made, is you are trying to become immortal by keeping your soul tied to your body, even though your body has died. And the soul energizing the body allows you to, in a sense, stay alive. It allows you to stay tied to the world and not pass to the beyond. And so in a way, they've kind of achieved this. Problem is, though, is that the body has died, and so it's still decomposing. So even though your soul is animating this body that you're inside of, this body is slowly decaying. And eventually, theoretically, you get to a point where it just completely decays. And so a person who is in this state is known as a vampire. Now, there are ways to stave off the decay, and that is that if you feed on people or Adra, then it will slow down that process of decomposition. The thing that people, living people, and Adra have in common within this world of Aora is that they are infused with living essence. They have that essence inside of them. Essence being the, the matter that makes up the soul, right? So the soul is made up of essence. And so it seems that by consuming essence in some way, shape, or form, it staves off the decompositions. And so that's kind of like what it means to be a vampire. You have to go around and start eating people. This is where vampires come from. It's a bit of a divergence from the main story that we're talking about, but it's important because this is part of the story about Atnua. And this next paragraph actually starts off with saying, The king was not pleased with the distraction, which is the experiment leading to vampirehood. He knew he was nearing the end of his work, and any distractions that delayed his reunification were unacceptable, not to him, not to the children of the wheel, uh, which is all capitalized, and so that is a faction within the story, the children of the wheel. Headed by the three sisters, Andara, Isarna, and Riomara, the children of the wheel were a cult that developed around Odd Nua's teachings. Fanatically loyal, the children not only devoutly served a king or great father, but used animancy to shape their own souls, tempering virtues and carving weaknesses from it. Many sacrificed their souls to power Odnua's vast animate army. Confident that once the father's work is complete, he will bring them all back from the well of souls in the Adra beneath the Titan. And so this last paragraph, like, it really goes bonkers. And this is just the background section to the main story. It goes crazy, but here's the thing, is that they have made such massive leaps forward in the science of animancy, in the science of the soul, that there is a cult forming around this king and the things that he's discovered. They might not like what he's been doing, but they can't ignore the fact that he has made these massive strides in this science. And these people are kind of forming this cultish worship around him and the teachings and the things that he's learning as a result from 
doing these experiments. These three sisters, Andara, Isarna, and Riomara, are actually three enemies that you fight within the dungeon itself. They, they're kind of more in a spectral form at this point, but they are the three sisters that were leading this cult, the Children of the Wheel. And the Children of the Wheel had full faith in Odd Nua, this great king, the great father, and how once he had mastered everything that he needed to know about bringing people back from the dead, then he would bring them back. So really, they had no problem forfeiting their life because they had full faith that he would bring them back. So if, if he can bring them back, then what does it matter, right? That's like when you play a video game and you have a respawn button. Does like, Are you really that bothered if your character dies? Like maybe you're irritated about the loss of some progression or something like that but in the long run are you like are you really worried about the game no you know if you have a respawn button who cares and these people fully believe that he can do that these uh these sisters sacrifice themselves willingly the followers of the children of the wheel they dedicated their souls to power animats for an army animats are essentially vessels that people's souls would go into and they would act as guardians so just like how in vampirehood uh, Kabiros attached his soul to his decaying body. In this sense, you are attaching your soul to more of like a, an automaton or an object or something like that. I'm not going to go into the specifics of it. But uh, so now you have a soul powering like a suit of armor kind of thing. And that is an army that you're making. This next section of the story is called The Fall. However, the deeds of Adnua and his followers came at a price, not just to their souls. The people of Angwith suffered tremendously, used by the king and his cohorts like cattle or firewood in their experiments. And this is true, like we've gone through kind of the things that they've been doing here. They've just he's been taking his loyal subjects and sacrificing them mercilessly in the hopes that he can gain his son back. And then these other two, Cabros and Gabranos, they're doing things on the side that are equally as atrocious uh, for their own agendas and stuff like that. And so the people are suffering and they don't like this who was a once wise and just ruler is now a malevolent and oppressive and abusive king. Finally, as work on the Titan neared completion, now this is that giant Audra statue we were talking about, they had enough. Hundreds, perhaps thousands, were sacrificed in Odd Nua's quest, not just for research, but to imbue the very rock and metal of his stronghold with magic. The revolt swept the land just as Odd Nua prepared for the final ritual, culminating in a daring assault on the very fortress. As the Ingwithan rebels battered down the gates and slowly made their way through the levels of the stronghold, slowly unearthing the horrors left in the wake of their king's obsession, his own cohorts fractured. Kabiros and Gabrinos betrayed their king to save their own skin, letting them pass through to the lower levels. The remainder of Adnua's forces formed a desperate defensive line on the lowest level of the stronghold, barring the way to the throne and the titan's staging area below. So I read that whole paragraph because it was just so compelling I didn't want to interrupt it. Basically, the people have had enough, and it's right around the time when they're finished completing the Titan. So they have been digging down through this Audravain that exists below the, the Cadnua Keep. They've been going downwards, and one day they just break in, uh, and they find so many atrocities going on. They find the bones of hundreds or thousands of people that were sacrificed at some point. They, they see the laboratories where Kebiros and Gabrinos were performing these other animancy experiments on people and they just they see all these atrocities which i'm sure just fuels their rage and ire even more and makes them more compelled to continue on with this campaign going through the dungeons and they finally manage to get down to the titan staging area which i would imagine is the bottom but their cause was lost at this point as they were divided some soldiers despise the children of the wheel 
blaming them for driving Odd Nua to madness with their incessant quest for immortality. So, you know, some people think that Odd Nua just had people whispering into his ear that were just like feeding his grief and causing him to do this more and more and more. Uh, and that really, uh, if it wasn't for that, he would not have done all the things he did. Those who serve the king out of fear hid in the quarters, trying in vain to come up with an excuse that would let them walk away with their lives. The children stammered out to prayers of Adnua, hoping for his success. Only the animats stood their ground, devoid of fear or any other feeling. I mean, they're animats. They're just empowered by a soul, but they don't really have a personality. They're more like a robot than anything else. Rebel spies exploited these divides, and, and just as their advanced units neared the defensive lines of the Mad King, they struck. The defenders folded, and soon the Ingwithan rebels faced Adnua and the remnants of his once proud guard. The ensuing confrontation was brutal and decisive, with the king's animants and the cult's leaders struck down with ease, and Adnua himself laid low with a blade in his belly. Their celebration was short-lived, however, as Adnua cast one final spell. A crystal of living Audra burst up from the floor, enveloping and sealing his body within. Unable to overcome the magical defenses, the rebels assumed the Mad King was dead and pulled out of the endless paths. With Adnua's loyalists routed, either fleeing the paths or disappearing in the tunnels, they carried the day. To prevent anyone from excavating Adnua's stronghold or trying to devise a way to bring him back to life, they sealed the paths, burying him with stone, soil, and magic. And so there you have it, the, this rebel force, they break in, they get through the defenses, um, there is a fight between all of the different factions going on, so the, the subjects are fighting against the children of the wheel and the animats, uh, but despite all of the spies on either side and all that going on, they manage to break through and they put a, a sword into the belly of the king. And in a last final attempt to sustain and keep his life, he summons a piece of Adra to completely envelop him. And I'm guessing his mind was thinking that if he can preserve his body in this state, that one day maybe his loyal subjects can get him out and find a way to save him. I'm, th I'm guessing that's what his thought process was in the matter. They couldn't break into the Audra piece, so they just left him there where they assumed he had died, or that he was at least stuck in this suspended state, and they sealed him down there with stone, soil, and magic. But there's still more, a little bit more, to this story. This last section is called Suffering. Adnua did not die in that hall. Instead, the Audra preserved him at the cost of terrible pain. His sight, hearing, and memory were perfectly preserved within the living crystal, leaving him at the precipice of reunification with his son for the next 2,000 years. Driven by rage and grief, the king remained in the chamber, hovering between consciousness and dreams, waiting until the day to finally pass through the shroud and join his son. The nature of the spell prevented him from leaving his prison, forcing him to watch his domain crumble, and the real master below fed on his titan. He still waits patiently until the end of the world claims him and allows him to reunite with his son's soul. And so there you have the end of Adnua's story. He is trapped inside of this Audra crystal, and he is alive enough to recognize this situation he's in. And he is, metaphorically anyways, within arm re arm's reach of being reunited with his son, whose soul is on the other side of the shroud, uh, but he is not going to die. He's just going to continue living there, not being able to do anything. And so now, Adnua sits there patiently waiting for the world to completely end so that his soul will be released and then he can be reunited with his son. Uh, you, as a player character in this game, you have the power of a watcher, which means you can reach out, ethereally speaking, and connect with this person's soul to talk to him. 
And that's how you're able to actually have a conversation with Odd Nua when you get to that level of the Mega Dungeon. And therein lies the story of Odd Nua, a Ingwithin king from thousands of years ago who used to be wise and just, but over the grief of his son and desperate to get his son back from the dead, allowed for a series of atrocious experiments to be done on his loyal subjects in the form of soul experiments. And while they were awful, he did make strides in the field of animancy. And one has to wonder what that knowledge laid the foundation for. For those who have played Pillars of Eternity 1 all the way to the end, and you're aware of the major spoiler of the game, I wonder how much Odd Nua's research and knowledge laid the foundation for the things that would happen later in the Ingwithin civilization that led to what they were ultimately able to accomplish within their lifetime. But the things that have been accomplished here we see uh, repeating throughout the game and other narratives. Vampires exist throughout the world of Aeora within the Pillars of Eternity games, which happened thousands of years after this. And these characters that exist from these ancient times exist in this mega dungeon. You can actually go and speak to some of them. Like, you can actually go speak to members of this ancient civilization. It's uh, it's absolutely crazy, and I, I love it. I, it was a great time, and I loved learning more about this person's story. Is an oath worth the weight of a crown? In terms of Avowed, I don't think there's anything directly that's going to come from the story that takes place in the game unless it happens to be set during the time period when this story was occurring, which I highly doubt, but there is always the chance that that could happen. Um, there's there's no reason why Avowed couldn't take place that far in the past, although it would probably not be that far in the past. If the CG reveal trailer is any indication of what we might get, um, there's some iconography that we see within the reveal trailer that indicates that it wouldn't be that far back in the past. So I doubt we're going to be seeing any of this. One thing that this does give me hope for for Avowed, however, is that we will see more stories like this. That even though I don't think that the game is going to take place in this time period, I do think that there's going to be opportunities to dive into ancient ruins, that we are going to uncover ancient mysteries, and I think that we might be able to learn more about the details of this story, For it, however. Uh, for example, and, or we might even be able to uncover other stories of the Inquifan civilization, and I'm excited for that. I think that Obsidian are going to take advantage of those narratives and bring that into Avowed. And so I'm looking forward to, in Avowed, finding stories like this about a mad king who, a good king who goes mad with grief over the loss of his son and tries to get him back through, you know, weird means. I'm excited to see what other stories they create because uh, I'm almost certain they're going to include things like that within the game. I could be wrong, of course, who knows, but I do. that's kind of what I'm expecting just based off what they like to do. So that is the closest relation I can find to Avowed is more ancient secrets about the world, learning more of the metaphysics of the world. That would be great too. If you enjoyed today's episode or you didn't enjoy today's episode, send me an email, worldofaora at gmail.com. I love praise and criticism equally. Well, that's not true. I love praise more, but who doesn't? Um, and criticism is always good. I like to hear areas where I've been incorrect and pointed out in later shows. Uh, if you want to follow the show's Twitter, at World of Aora, I usually post updates on when up episodes come out, although I haven't been the best doing that lately, or any other updates regarding Pillars of Eternity or Avowed uh, or new projects that I might be working on within that sphere. I really enjoyed making today's episode diving into the story of Odd Nua. 
the dungeon itself also has a lot of stories in it because a lot of creatures have moved into the area and there's a lot of adventurers who have tried to dive into this ancient dungeon and plunder its secrets and its treasure. And so we can dive into the stories of those individually, but we'll save that for another episode. Other than that, nothing much really to talk about. Thanks for everyone for listening. Uh, the game I've been playing lately is The Last Case of Benedict Fox. Is anyone else out there playing that? I haven't played a Metroidvania in years, and so it's kind of nice to jump back into that seat and just enjoy some nice side-scrolling and puzzle-solving. It, it's been a, it's a blast, and I love the Lovecraftian element to everything as well as the, the detective problem-solving stuff. It, it's been fun. Uh, small games right now are my bread and butter, being a dad and all that. Uh, but I also, once I'm done this and a few others, I think I, I'm going gonna, gonna to look forward to getting my hands into a big RPG. Anyways, thanks everyone for listening to today's episode. I've been your host, Eric, a.k.a. Gingerino, and I will see you guys next time.